Welcome to the Passionate Photographer Podcast with Steve Simon and Clifford Pickett. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to a brand new edition of the Passionate Photographer Podcast with Steve Simon, myself, and Clifford Pickett. Cliff, what's up? Hey, Steve. What's going on? Um, just got back from a pretty intense uh, road trip. I was out in Montana. I was working on a, a working ranch over there, shooting as part of a rodeo, part of an estate kind of a thing. Uh, got back, did a little short trip through Yellowstone and Jackson Hole, beautiful part of the country. And now I'm back here in Moab talking to you. Fantastic. Hey, listen, maybe not everybody knows this, but uh, road tripping is kind of your middle name these days. Uh, just give us a little bit of a background on kind of why that is. Yeah, that wasn't necessarily intentional. But uh, yeah, I came out here to do a couple of workshops. I did one Death Valley and one out in Moab. I do one every year. And when this whole COVID thing hit, I'm a New York City photographer. So kind of had a one-way ticket out here. And all my friends and family are saying, Maybe they just don't want to speak to me anymore, but they're all saying not to come back to New York. I'm starting to pick up on the hint. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. So we stayed out here, and honestly, it's been several months. I have good friends out here that loan me their their RV, so I'm, I'm living out of the I'm living their RV life now. Or their pickup truck. I got a cowboy hat and everything, and we're out in the desert every day. We're shooting. We're we're traveling, and honestly, we're we're making the most of it. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, a couple of things I know uh, sort of put you uh, maybe uh, in a good position to be where you are now is that you weren't really planning to come back to New York right away. You were, you were going to be heading to Japan. So you had a lot of like stuff for a sort of long time away. But, you know, I yeah. think there are a lot of photographers, Cliff, who that kind of situation is the dream where you're kind of living in a mobile scenario that you could drive to wherever you want to go. You can be at the right light in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly kind of what you're doing. It is. It's funny how, how the universe speaks to you sometimes, right? But yeah, I was planning. And that's a bittersweet thing too. You know, I did have a one-way ticket out here because I was supposed to be filming for the next three months in Japan and Greece and Spain part of this project for the iPhone photography school. So that's like straight up one phone call, three months of work just down the tube, you know? So that was a bittersweet pill you'll, for sure. You'll, you'll be back at that. You'll be back at that. <laughs> we will. But no, at the same time, then you, then, you, then you look at it and you realize, well, okay, I'm out here and I'm in this drop dead location. It's one of the most beautiful locations in the whole country in the American West. And I have good friends that loan me their RV and their pickup and, Let's make the most of it while we're here. And honestly, that's exactly what we've been doing. We've been shooting every day. I've been working remotely with students every day. We've been out shooting the moonrise every night, uh, trying to just really um, take advantage of this opportunity and make the most of it. So yeah. that's what we've been up to. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I know you have, and, and now the listeners know too. And, you know, we're all kind of making the most of uh, our situations. And, you know, for me, I'm... Uh, a New York City guy myself, but now I'm in Vancouver at the in-laws and I have a five-year-old. So, you know, we feel pretty happy that we're here because he's got some room to, to maneuver a little bit and play a little bit. And uh, yeah, I think that all of us are just kind of waiting for things to kind of come back to whatever this new normal is going to be. And, um, you know, on the heels of the Optic Conference, uh, the B&H Conference, which uh, I spoke to or I spoke at uh, this time, and I know you've done that uh, many times in the past, uh, talking about travel photography, but not in person, you know, virtually. And um, 
you know, I think a lot of us are missing, missing what we love, and that is to be out there shooting. I know a lot of people still are managing to get out like yourself. Um, but I, I think it's going to be really interesting um, and important to kind of discuss uh, what the future is going to be like in terms of travel. Um, we're going to be back out there. This too shall pass. There's no question. Um, but I also know that a lot of photographers, especially professional photographers, have been suffering in terms of uh, the business and pivoting and trying new things. And um, uh, so the, the topic of, of this particular um, uh, podcast, we're, we'll talk about travel and what it's going to be like, um, you know, coming into the future. So, um, uh, Cliff, maybe I'll just ask you um, I know you don't know when you'll get back on that sort of regular schedule, but being plugged in with a lot of professionals through ASMP, um, what is it that uh, you've been hearing and uh, are you optimistic? Um, I'm cautiously optimistic for sure. And I, there is a lot of buzz about what's going to happen with travel. It's, you know, foundational to photography, you know, for both of us. That's travel is the reason why I photograph, to be honest with you. And so that, that takes a lot of, of the wind out of our sails, so to speak. So yeah, working with my students all the time, I'm working with remotely a lot of them, but we make our living, a big part of our living doing travel workshops. So there's an added layer, not just from a photography standpoint, but from a business standpoint. So a lot of our students are saying, you know, when can we get out? When are we doing this? And we don't have the answers yet. You know, we're, we're looking into this every day. Just today we were uh, I, was on a, I was on the phone with a good friend in Nova Scotia because we're planning a trip out there and trying to get answers. You know, we're all trying to get answers about our hotels opening up. And even if hotels open up, which they're starting to now, what about airfare? What about, you know, the, the transportation? And a lot of it is still up in the air. We, we're trying to make plans. We're trying to, you know, make schedules and, and get people excited about things because we're excited about things. But we, we can't say for sure whether we're going to be able to do this. And even if we are able to do this, is it going to be safe? Because we, yeah, that's, we don't want to put people in that. In that yeah, position. I think that, uh, you know, those of us that are lucky and I feel very lucky and, you know, my heart's in New York city and I know things, uh, you know, being the epicenter there, things were really bad and they're getting better and they're starting to reopen. But in a place like, uh, you know, outside of Vancouver where I am, the numbers are really low. And I have to say that uh, it's a little bit disconcerting to be out and about when, you know, the majority of people are not wearing masks. And, and, you know, I understand that outside, that's fine. But when you go indoors, I think, why not err on the side of caution? And it's a little frustrating to me because I know and I, I, I hope and pray that uh, we don't have any kind of second wave. And, you know, now's the time when things are starting to reopen where we might see that. And, you know, for us as travel photographers, I mean, we don't know exactly what things are going to be like. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about this sort of Reader's Digest uh, article that came out that uh, we'll see some of these slides from that talk about uh, what things are going to be like. And obviously, uh, we're in an era or have been in an era pre-COVID of being able to fly around the world. Um, really, you know, almost anyone can do it. I mean, the prices were such that, you know, it's not cheap. And, and if you're lucky enough to have enough of an income, chances are you can take a trip at least once a year, uh, even if you don't make a lot of money and travel, you know, you know far away uh, for a vacation to see family, et cetera. And when COVID hit, obviously the, the travel industry has taken a huge hit. 
and air travel. I mean, is it going to bounce back? We kind of need it too. And these are some of the things that uh, are being discussed. What's it going to look like? They're talking about uh, social distancing in the sky. Uh, this article here, Emirates Airlines, they were actually administering blood tests. I mean, that's a, a pretty, pretty, um, pretty uh, big deal in terms of, you know, not just take temperatures and, you know, put on masks and keep things clean, but give blood tests. Uh, I don't think we're going to see that, you know, kind of on a regular basis. And but people I, were complaining about taking their shoes off <laughs> to go through security, right? I mean, yes. think about this. Yeah. This puts things in perspective. Yes, yes. It totally puts things in perspective. I'm glad you said that. I mean, the rolling of the eyes as you're waiting uh, to uh, in the, in the uh, TSA line to, to sort of check your bags and the, oh, my God, my plane's delayed 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that really does put things in perspective for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. And then just the suspicion now, you know, you're looking for who's this person or who's that person. Someone coughs or sneezes in front of you and everyone's just like well, <laughs> suspicious. I mean, it's no a very strange time to be in a confined space in any capacity right now. Absolutely. And I know that the air circulation in planes is particularly good uh, by design, especially in the, the newer, more, you know, the most recent uh, uh, aircraft. But we're going to see things that are different. You know, obviously, you know, magazines and things like that that uh, you other people will touch. Um, we're, we're going to uh, probably be eliminated to a large degree. Uh, the service that we get, maybe, you know, we could live without, you know, a meal on a relatively short flight, etc. But here's one that kind of worries uh, uh, photographers. And, you know, there was a time, I remember, I think it was last year, where they talked about, out of a terrorist threat, the idea that, yeah, no more carry-on bags. And to a photographer, uh, that is something that, oh my God, that's, that's your kind of your worst nightmare. Because I know you and myself, um, I'm doing everything I can to always have my equipment with me on my person because I expect my bag to be lost, but I want to be able to hit the ground running. I have to be able to hit the ground running when we land. So this idea of no more carry-on bags, I mean, that's something that, you know, is possible even. That's alarming for photographers. So first of all, iPhone photographers unite. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a big push to, to less and less and less gear. And I've been sort of pushing that forward for years. But mm -hmm. on a very real note, that is, you know, that, that's, I'm sure that's happened to you too. But I, I've been hired to do a shoot in India. I've showed up and my bags were lost for a week. There you go. Right? And mm -hmm. I had my camera gear with me. So thank God for that. But it's a very real concern. So we need to, as, as working professionals, it's not just a luxury this is a business decision. We need to have our gear with us and there's going to have to be a compromise somewhere and it's not going to be pretty and we're not going to like it. Yeah. That's no, the truth of it. Yeah. There's no question. I mean, look, the sort of evolution of photography and the sort of evolution of the world as we know it uh, kind of maybe worked in the photographer's favor because I remember back in the film days and I know there's still a lot of photographers out there who pursue and love shooting film for artistic and other reasons. 
And, uh, you know, when you're traveling with the x-ray equipment and so on, you have to be very sort of careful not to have your stuff x-rayed, particularly film that was uh, higher ISO and, you know, obviously more sensitive to the security uh, x-rays that were happening. But then digital came in and kind of eliminated that problem. And we'll talk a little bit more of, you know, how things, um, you know, some, some ideas that we have in terms of the travel. But the reality of, you know, less is more, as you said, and maybe the iPhone, and I know you're, you're the man when it comes to that. Honestly, uh, you just need a camera that's going to deliver uh, the, the, the quality and really the vision that you have. And any photographer can make any tool work. Um, that said, uh, you know, professionals on assignment require certain tools for certain reasons. And uh, it's a little bit disconcerting not to be able to um, hold everything with you. And I've never yeah. checked my camera bag. Have you ever done that? I, I never have. And, you know, that is a little bit tongue in cheek too. For, for those of us who are traveling or not, you know, you know, working on assignment, I totally stand behind that. But for on assignment work, sure, you absolutely need lights. You need the right gear. You want to make sure you have the right gear for the job. And I, I think uh, I think Scott vest is going to do very well for themselves. You know, those those utility vests. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is a little trick that you probably know, too, for the travel photographers, is you can put anything on your person that you want. Right? So a little secret that a lot of us will do is we do wear these vests, these cargo vests, these utility vests. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, they have these large giant pockets on all sides, even the back, some of them. You can fit iPads, you can fit your lenses, you can fit multiple bodies, you can fit your batteries. And I don't know how that's going to play out, but at the moment still with security, technically speaking, they cannot take that away from you because it's on your person. That may change, but that was a little loophole that we would find when our bags were mm -hmm. overweight we can put things on our body because then it becomes, you know, a person who is much larger, let's just say behind yeah, you, a 300 pound person, uh, they can't they, discriminate. Yeah. They don't sort of weigh people yeah. charged by the weight, but you're right. So, you know, we'll that's see. one, one way to do it. Um, you know, the fact is that, uh, you know, from my experience and we know that even when you kind of check your, your carry on bag at the door on some of the smaller aircraft, uh, they put them away and then they bring it. A lot can happen in that time. There's all kinds of YouTube videos showing, you know, the, the case that you put down um, at the bridge of the aircraft before you get on and what happens to it after, how it's dropped 40 feet into a box below and then put on the plane. So, you know, our equipment is important. You, you, you know, it's relatively durable, but you don't want to sort of take a chance with it. So like yeah. you, um, you know, we have these picks of the week all the time. And I thought this might be a good place to talk about it because this kind of Ikea slash tote bag um, is something I always travel with me. You know, my main think tank wheeled bag that I use, and it's small enough to, you know, put under my feet on smaller aircraft or put in the, in the, uh, compartment up top, uh, no problem. But once I was told I could not bring it in. So failing that large vest where you can put everything in, I was able to take everything out of that bag, all my lenses kind of rolling, rattling around in this bag, being very careful because I was not going to give up my equipment. It was really important. And fortunately, knock on wood, you know, we haven't had to do that. Obviously, we're going to have to play by the rules, whatever they might be. Uh, but even here, when they're talking about the new rules, there were certain exceptions with like computer bags, et cetera. And 
often in my experience, if you go up and you talk to the airline people and mention professional photographer, and that's why it's, it's good to put all your eggs in one airline's basket, because if you can get an upgraded standing on that airlines, it usually means you're not, you know, getting on the plane zone nine, you're getting on in the first couple of uh, rounds, which means your stuff, you know, there'll, there'll be some room for your stuff. Um, I've got your gear pick in. I'm not sure if it necessarily fits right at this moment, but uh, we can come back to it. It if you does. Want. Okay, good. No, it certainly does. So this is the, the Velbon, just for those who are listening and not watching, this is the Velbon UT3AR. I, I don't know why these companies come up with uh, these numbers and letters. We're not robots, you know? <laughs> Apple, there's a lot to be said for that, but it's the Velbon UT3AR. The reason why I chose this, it's the lightest, smallest, fastest tripod you can buy and probably the cheapest too. It's $110 for the tripod and the ball head. But the, the real reason I chose this, and this does go along with what we were saying, this fits, you know, it, it folds down so small, it can fit inside your camera bag, right? It, it can fit on your carry-on. It's so light that it carries anywhere. And it's, a, it's hard for me to explain it for those who are listening, but it's a twist screw rather than having multiple levers. And so it just becomes much faster to use, very easy to carry around, extremely lightweight. And I can mount my Sony full frame, you know, mirrorless camera on it with 7200 lens without a problem. It's very light, but at the same time, you, could, you always have weight to, to weigh things down. Photographers never have an issue when it comes to carrying weight. We got plenty of it. We got lenses, we have cameras, we have bags. So we can always hang something on it to add more weight, but it's a very travel friendly, I mean, I agree that less is more idea, I think, is going to be even more uh, important moving forward when we travel. And the idea of, you know, having a tripod just opens up visual possibilities, allows you to bring down that ISO when you don't need a fast shutter speed, which is fantastic. And the price of this thing, I mean, yeah, I always say invest in a great tripod, even if it's expensive, uh, you're going to have it for life, you know, until you lose it. And uh, this, this, this $100 tripod uh, is, you know, perfect for, for that experience. That's why I'm laughing. So <laughs> literally today, we got an order from B&H. We probably get orders from B&H every day. But today we got this very tripod in the mail. And the reason is because Susan, my partner out here, we were out on, on location in the dark shooting at night and she bumped into something, dropped it. She karate kicked it somehow and kicked the head right off. So we ordered another one. But I, I do, I get the perspective of like the Gitzos, for instance, the lifetime warranties. And I, I fully, I'm behind that. But if you're like me or many of the viewers or listeners are like me, you're way more likely to either lose it or damage it somehow. I'm more likely to lose it. So I'd rather buy two or three of these over the course of four or five, 10 years, then have one that I, I'm most likely going to lose in the first year. I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep it real. The tripods go the way of the expensive sunglasses and the charger yeah, lost. Exactly. The exactly. There's no way you're holding onto those sunglasses for 10 years and not getting scratches. You know, on you know it's going to no happen. Way. You know, it's going to happen. So, you know, this idea, of course, you know, wearing masks into the future. I like that idea. Of course, I think it, it's smart to do, especially when you're indoors in a confined space. The prices, I mean, look, the prices right now, I know when we came to Vancouver, the price was unbelievably cheap because no one was flying. And I was really grateful that the flight actually took off because we had maybe 12% capacity in the plane. Um, 
it's slowly going to get back. And, and I think in the beginning, they predict that the prices will be lower, but things are going to come back. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, when travel becomes a lot safer and this whole thing is, is uh, under control more, the prices are going to go back up and they're likely going to be a little more expensive uh, than we're used to. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, what we complained about, you know, in terms of air travel and how it seems so trivial in this very important uh, moment that we're in. Uh, this fear of flying. I mean, I think a lot of times people were mostly afraid of, you know, turbulence and what could happen to the plane. But now we have this new reality. I think one of the biggest fears people have is, um, you know, catching something, catching this, this COVID, COVID virus. So, um, again, you know, until we have good treatment and a vaccine, um, you know, that fear is, is real. So they're going to have yeah. to do stuff, you know, to make that, uh, that happen. Um, are you going to be very real? Yeah. It's a, it's a very real concern, you know, and that's something we have to take care of. I don't, I'm not holding my breath for vaccines anytime soon, but I think what is going to transform it is at least having testing immediate turnaround testing before we can get on planes. I think that's going to be, if and when that happens, it's it's going to be a real big help for, yeah. for moving us forward. Yeah, I mean, we saw that with Emirates Airline in that earlier slide, very sort of, um, you know, ahead of the curve when it comes to that. But yeah, that will maybe put you more at ease to know that everyone that's on the plane got tested and everybody's, you know, at the moment doing okay. And to add to that as well, I will say uh, domestic travel, you know, just being out here in the West and, we're looking into purchasing RVs and, and, and all that. I never would have thought I'd be, you know, hearing myself say this even three <laughs> months ago. You know, I'm at an RV park in Montana pricing out motorhomes versus, you know, different types of RVs. But there is a, a surge like no other for mountain bikes, which is kind of odd, and RVs. And there's a lot, there's going to be a big surge for domestic travel. A lot of the mm -hmm. national parks just opened up. At the moment, um, they've shut down immediately the same day because of the overwhelming traffic that's coming through. I think we're going to lot of see a lot less international travel, a lot more domestic travel, whether that means by car or other or other means. And yeah. that's also comes brought with its own issues. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, New York City. I'm a, a huge advocate of uh, cycling around the city. It's much faster than taking the subway. Uh, or a taxi and it's much cheaper and it's much healthier if you don't get hit by a taxi. Uh, but now we're starting to see that uh, people want to avoid the subway. They want to avoid the yeah. buses and the indoor, you know, the Ubers and so on. So, you know, cycles and bicycles is becoming city bike. You know, I'm a proud member of that. Uh, we're going to see, I think that will be popular in the, the next little while. Um, they're overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed yeah. by, and I think it's gyms are closed and people want to get out and families have this free time um, for all the reasons. And, you know, there, there, there are good reasons. It, it, there's been a big push for that. I personally just got an e-bike and I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Uh, I love it. It's a great means of transportation, but it's a great means of recreation as yeah. well. I had one. It was stolen. Uh, I've had like eight bikes stolen in New York City. But, oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that happened funny. to me as well. That's the way that it happened is. to me as well. I put my whole bike together, <laughs> went to the gym. 45 minutes later, 
it's got it's heartbreaking it really yeah, is it really is it's 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 maddening but you know I, I think also too um in our business you know, just getting back to the slide deck here uh, the idea of having travel insurance so of course as a workshop person you know we both lead workshops and we have workshop businesses it's really important that you have adequate uh, travel insurance but up until now there really hasn't been um a way to to uh, to to do that, and and I think that uh, it's really important. And there's some like I know with my workshop business, which hopefully will be back in the fall, uh, maybe even late August here in Vancouver. I have a workshop scheduled, but it's important to get um, something called cancel for no for all reasons uh, policies. They're a lot more expensive um, on our photoeducate.com website. We put it up so that people can look into it. Um, it's more expensive, but of course, it's worth it, especially now. I know airlines uh, that are booking passengers now have eased the penalties and they're allowing a lot more leeway when it comes to cancellations and so on. But uh, travel insurance uh, becomes a lot more important, not just for the cost of the trip, but just for the, the health insurance. You know, God forbid that you do get sick with something like this uh, in your travels. You need to be covered because otherwise oh, it's yeah. financially catastrophic. Forget about the health uh, version of it. All of it. If you need to get medevaced, um, forget about it. You, you need insurance. And it's not just about the, even just the cancellation, right? It's not just about the plane canceling. It's about the car reservations. What about the hotel rooms? What about everything down the line as well? Um, these are, you know, these are very uncertain times and it would be a wise decision to, to look into this. And these yeah. are like everything else is developed. It's developing day by day. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're talking a little bit about the, the comeback of travel agents in that, you know, they never really kind of went away, but obviously now so many of us are, are booking using uh, websites that are just so uh, fantastic in terms of comparison shopping for hotel and airfare and combining both and saving you money. Uh, but now with safety is more of an issue, um, having someone human uh, figuring this out for you that's an expert in travel that knows on the ground in the place that you're going what's exactly going on that might become a little more important as well I couldn't agree more we, we had a nice a really nice conversation with a travel agent recently and just to your point this guy was on top of things and was thinking of things that you wouldn't even think of and the mm -hmm. right person having the right person in your corner that knows how long is it going to take somewhere? What happens if you hit traffic? What happens if you miss this connection? What happens? He's thinking or she's thinking about all those iterations of things that can go wrong, like a chess, like a chess game, and they could be your, they could really save your rent. They're, they're thinking about all those those options and making sure you're set up for success. I mean, we don't want to forget sort of the basics of this. And, you know, the most important thing, of course, is to, you know, keep your hands clean. Don't touch your face, your eyes and so on. And we're seeing this new push for cleanliness. But again, you can't really assume that something is going to be germ free. You have to assume that, you know, it's best not to, to touch it or to you know, sanitize after it and so on and so forth. Um, I heard even the New York City subways are kind of unrecognizable these days. I haven't been on one lately, but uh, with the new uh, cleaning um, uh, mandate that's there, it's, they're, they're taking it serious 
for, for obvious reasons. So what was really interesting too is this idea that, um, you know, maybe if this thing is going to be sticking around, we might see a new configuration of air travel and some interesting ideas there. We already see that many major airlines are leaving that middle seat uh, free just to sort of socially distance the passengers. And those of us who have flown pre-COVID the last couple of years, we know that the airlines have gotten really good in terms of filling those planes. And, you know, economically, of course, it makes sense. But now things are going to be a little bit different. So we'll see. So Maybe here, pay a premium for this kind of a seat. Well, here, this is what I was just going to say. Have you ever flown first class, international first class? I have well, maybe not. I've flown business class, but there's that okay. secret. There's that secret first class upper deck, you know, <laughs> Sundays, and and I don't know what's going on up there. I don't think I have flown first class. Um, I did it once, yeah. once only because a client was paying. I was working for British Airways, and so for them, it didn't cost them anything. First class all the time. It it ruins travel forever once you fly first class <laughs> once. But I, the reason why I'm mentioning that is because to go back to that last slide, for those of you watching, and they're, so what they're doing is they're turning their seats um, back to back sort of, or they're just, they're, they're facing the opposite direction. This is what the first class seats already look like. It's just less seats, but they're already sort of facing this other direction. So my hope is they just make all the seats first class. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't charge us extra for it. Yeah. Give us the extra room separate us, give us a leg room that we need, and then hopefully it doesn't come at an additional cost. But wouldn't that be a silver lining to that? Yeah, the only, the only time, um, well, I flew, I flew, I think it was, it was business class. There was, it was first class because that was the, the top one. But I know that internationally there's, there's even a higher level of first class, which I've never seen that you've experienced, but you can't tell us about it's crazy. it because it's a secret it's society. Yeah, I, it was the one time when I was flying back from Vancouver to New York on Cathay Pacific that I was really hoping that the pilot would circle around some more because I was having a good time. Five and a half hours was not enough time in that little environment that I was in. So yeah, it can be a good way to go, no question. If you have the money, I highly recommend it. And if you don't, I personally, <laughs> I wouldn't do it unless it was on someone else's dime, but I agree. I'm not sure how, how much of really 1% is listening to our podcast, but you know those that are, I'm sure, yeah. first class, private jet, et cetera. So as we wind down here, I just wanted to, um, I know that, uh, you do the uh, projections uh, show, and uh, you wanted to talk briefly about someone, uh, a photographer that presented, I think it was last week, or maybe it was this week. I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, so we, we do our projections. For those of you who don't know, it's it's something that was started years ago, and I kind of came on board as, a, as kind of a co-host and co-partner now, co-conspirator, I guess, with uh, my partner, Frank Mayo. And what we do is we host three to four photographers each month. And we feature the work, we give them a platform, we give them a voice, and the whole thing was designed to bring a community together around photographers in New York City and provide a platform where they can share their work and share their vision. And then I, I film it personally, I film it on location, and then we built a website around it. We, we give a way to give their voice to beyond New York City to the world. When COVID hit, we turned this into a virtual event. This is, this is our third one that we filmed last night, actually. And it, it allows us to record it, disseminate it to the world, but we have a much larger audience now around the country. So now we're bringing photographers in. We had one from LA. That's why we had Kevin Steele. 
uh, and we have New York photographers and we're bringing photographers from all over the world now. And yeah, the, the, what, what happened with, with Kevin's presentation, uh, I, I couldn't recommend enough to watch all of the presenters. We had three presenters, uh, Timothy Fedek, Kevin Steele, Karen Jonesfeld, and each one of them was about the current situation. And it's not what's going on in the news. It's not what's being fed to you in the newspapers. It's about artists and photographers going out and sharing what, what their reality is and what's really going on on the streets and you know, unencumbered, uncensored. And it was a very eye-opening, authentic, honest look and take about what's really happening on the streets, both in New York and on the West Coast in, in LA. So yeah, yeah, check that out, www.projections.live. Yeah. Uh, we'll put the, the, the link in the show notes as well. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I mean, the one thing, another plus, I, I think, uh, you know, for us in terms of learning and pushing ourselves as photographers is there's all these great resources that are suddenly available and um, hopefully will inspire us and help us to kind of push things further and, and become stronger as photographers. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I and know as far that, as the inspiration goes, um, you know, just sorry, sorry to interrupt, but just to go back to what Kevin was doing. So this was just to give context. What he did is he stood in the doorway. He called it life on pause. And he stood in the doorway and he photographed these people uh, not going into the home, keeping social distance. And it's just sort of, you know, escalated and, and just gotten out of, uh, just scaled tremendously. The takeaway is with, with these projections that we've been doing the last few months, it, it is inspiring to see how artists respond to this crisis. How, what's their take? And we had artists that, again, would stand in the doorway. We had another one that just did remote sessions, Charles Chesler. Uh, we have artists that did, there's so many different ways to keep your creative flame and approach things with your own unique vision and voice. Mm -hmm. And with each one that we do, it's been personally inspiring to see how, how other artists approach this and, and yeah. attack how, how they're dealing with this new yeah. reality. Yeah, and you know, we've talked you know, in the past about you know, obviously the essential workers and uh, you know, as much as people complain a little bit about being quarantined, I mean, there are people out there kind of on the front lines and, uh, you know, the artists and the photographers, you know, the journalists that are out there telling us what's going on when we can't necessarily be out there, you know, and seeing what's happening, uh, you know, their, their services have become even more uh, essential, if you will, to kind of let us know really what's happening uh, out there in places that we're discouraged to go to for safety reasons. Yeah. So, so they're, they're, they're heroes. In my mind, they're heroes. And I think that a lot of people are recognizing that. And actually, mm -hmm. along those lines, we're doing a special event with projections on the 24th of this month. That's just, um, and we, this goes to, to our audience as well. We're, we're asking those essential workers to share their own voice. So if you know anyone personally, you can record them at a safe distance or you can have them record themselves. You can even interview them over the phone or uh, through the computer on Zoom or, or other screen share software. But we're, we have about I have personally over, I think it's 60 to 70 minutes of just raw footage of the essential workers sharing their stories directly to camera, uncensored, uncovered by even the, the vision and the voice of the artists. We just want to hear from them. And uh, it's, it's been very interesting and it's going to be a very interesting uh, take and presentation mm -hmm. about what their reality is. Yeah, because it's very different than ours. Oh, no, no question. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Uh, so Cliff, we're, we're winding down um, and uh, just talking a little bit more. This is a beautiful image of yours. 
uh, in terms of, uh, you know, I don't know where this was. With an I'm iPhone. laughing because this is a parking lot in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, literally it's a brick wall in a parking lot in New Jersey. When I think of beauty, I think of parking lots <laughs> in New Jersey. Well, that, that is inspiring because that just lets you know, you know, what we've, what most of us out there know as photographers, there is beauty everywhere. And uh, there truly is. Even there in truly is. And not just the beauty, but for those who are watching, you'll see the hearts. Mm, and there's a beautiful story that I share with people. I have one student who she sees hearts everywhere. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I went to her catalog with her. And sure enough, she'll be walking down the street and she'll see a heart in the crack. And then she'll see a leaf shaped like a heart. And then she'll see mm. something else. And she'll just see hearts everywhere. And, and mm. I always took that with me. And so this was an homage to that, to see <laughs> hearts, even on a brick wall in New Jersey in a parking lot. You know, when you know what you're looking for, there's a more likely chance that you'll find it. And it's a great assignment to go out there looking for hearts, looking for yeah. orange, looking for one particular thing. Because when you're looking for it, suddenly you'll find it, you'll see it. And you start photographing that and you start to make images of that idea. The sum is greater than the parts. You end up building momentum with these images. And before you know it, you have a gallery show and a book and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think I more, more. And yeah. focusing in is, is a good idea. Um, I think travel, you know, this is an optimistic image made last year in Milan. We had to cancel our Milan workshop. Obviously, Italy was very, very hard hit. Um, but we'll hopefully be back there in April of next year. Um, and, you know, how, things, how are things going to change? You know, this William Klein photograph, I mean, street photographers are, are out there. And uh, I know you know that uh, the, the closer you are in proximity to your subject, there's an intimacy. Uh, the wider angle lens is more difficult, more challenging to use on the street, particularly in situations with strangers. But there's a powerful communications when you are physically close to the subject. I'm thinking, you know, as a street photographer, if 35 or 28 was your favorite lens, maybe for the next little while, 50, whatever, back it up a little bit. Um, do you think you're going to change your approach at all? You know, particularly with an iPhone, which lets you get in really tight. So I, I love that idea of sticking to one field of view and really getting to know it. I heard a photographer years ago talk about if you really want to know perspective, you know, put a single lens on your camera for a year. And just put it on for a day and literally crawl around the house is what he recommend and see how everything looks through this lens. It's one of the best tools we have is to change our field of view. It literally, more than anything else, changes our perspective. Uh, shooting with a phone, we were stuck with that 28 millimeter or what used to be a 32 millimeter um, the whole time. You know, now it's a 26 millimeter we have that 1X view. And now we're a little bit spoiled, if I can say, by having a super wide angle, which is a 13, and then a moderate telephoto, which is a 52. So even then we have almost a little bit too much flexibility because I love the idea. I embrace the idea of creative restraints, mm -hmm. right? And if we can go out with just one lens, I think that will be a, a, a very big creative boon for a lot of people, mm -hmm. an eye-opening experience. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, just winding down, uh, one last tip. Um, and I know that uh, you have a tip that you'll all remind you of because I want to try it. And uh, that is obviously back. I got nervous there for a second. <laughs> I was like, what's my tip? <laughs> no, I will tell you. I and mean, you'll know it when I remind you. But um, the idea of you know having more memory cards than you think you'll need is a good idea. And now 
I have enough memory cards so that when I do my shooting and I'm a overshooter, I shoot a big volume of work. When I download my images and back them up to my drives, rather than taking that memory card and putting it back in the camera, reformatting and starting again, I will take my exposed cards and put them in an exposed card wallet, not, not necessarily this one, but in some sort of exposed. So if something happens with my drives back at the hotel or wherever they were, it's very comforting to know that you have your entire shoot uh, with you. And uh, you're the one who told me, and it, it, go, it has to uh, do with your Lightroom uh, workflow, but having a very um, large capacity card, like a 512 card, which I know are very expensive, um, allows you to shoot, 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 download, back up, put the, the card back in the camera, and then keep shooting because Lightroom recognizes what's already there. So the next day shoot will just easily be, without confusion, be, be uploaded to your catalog and so on. Um, and that, that's an even, perhaps even better way. I mean, certainly it's putting all your eggs in one basket, but these cards are probably the strongest link in the chain, I think. Yeah, so I have a lot of things to say about this, but we have a short amount of time. First of all, how much do you think a 512 gig SD card costs? Well, American dollars, not Canadian. I know that they could be less, but here, here's the thing. I am a, a Nikon mirrorless and DSLR guy, and the CF Express card is what I need. Yeah. And unfortunately, <laughs> they're expensive. pretty darn pricey. But how much For is a sure. 512? Yeah. Under it's eighty five dollars. Under hundred dollars, you can get a five hundred. I think I have to so spend five hundred dollars for for the. Yeah, same. so for the QXDs, it's a very different reality. That yeah. is so true. Um, but the argument is, is still the same. You're you're in no more of a risk having one large card versus multiple small cards, and the reason is, um, if it's going to fail, it's going to fail no matter what, based upon the last time you backed up, which is what what you were saying goes back to my Lightroom workflow. You always want your images in multiple places. That's just rule number one. It's actually rule number one, two, three, right? You want your images in one, two, three places. You want your on-site, you want an on-site backup, and you want an off-site backup. When you travel, it gets tricky, right? We have to carry hard drives. We're going to carry a lot of things. And we got to carry these little Pelican cases and little, you know, plastic. Some of us only spend five bucks on it. And then we're more likely to break or lose our cards than anything else than them to fail. That's, yeah. the, that's the reality of it. So having one giant card in the camera you're not at any more risk, but you're not going to lose 512 gigs. You're only going to lose up until the last time that you back up your mm -hmm. memory card. And that goes whether you have 10 cards or one card. So the takeaway is make sure you have enough room because the real loss is, and this actually is a very relevant story. We were out in Yellowstone filming the, uh, the Grand Prismatic just a few days ago as Yellowstone opened the day. And uh, a double rainbow comes out of nowhere. It was storming, clear, storming, clear. And it was like this brief two or three minute window. It was a double rainbow. It was absolutely stunning and I was capturing it. And I spoke to my partner, Susan, over here. And she turned around. She went to shoot the double rainbow. I was yelling at her across the prismatic memory card full. Oh. That is the worst time to have that happen. And that's a very real risk. To mm. me, that's just as a risk as anything else. So having mm. that capacity and not having to worry about it, you just need to make sure mm. that you're backing up. And yep. if you keep it on your card and you don't, don't delete the images on your card, having that capacity really comes in handy. Lightroom will only input your newer photos. Yeah, my portfolio of images that I didn't get because my card was full, my lens cap was on, my whatever, uh, you should see that. It's incredible. 
It's amazing. <laughs> amazing stuff. Yeah, inevitably that's going to happen. And by the way, just this uh, slide for those that are maybe viewing and not just listening, um, I would always get like the coolest black kind of thing. But when it comes to these cards, where, you know, you want something flashy because uh, the experience is you're in a dark bar shooting a jazz musician and you drop your black cool card wallet that you didn't know you dropped it and you'll never know and you've lost it. Whereas there's a chance you might find your lime yellow neon, uh, you know, card thing. So that's just one added little, little extra. Um, we're just winding down now. I wanted to let people know that um, uh, the Art of Critique with myself and Cliff, um, we're going to be uh, looking at uh, images uh, submitted by viewers. Um, and this will happen, I believe, uh, next week on the 15th. So you can go to the BNH event site and uh, register and uh, send us some images. Um, eventspacereviews at gmail.com. Uh, no more than three images, 1,000 pixels on the short side or 1,800 pixels on the long side. We'll say that. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll tear them apart and uh, give, give our opinions on them. For those of you who know Steve, you know that that will never happen. He's a gentle giant. <laughs> yes. All you yeah. Canadians are. I will be honest, though. And then I'll... We'll be honest. I will we will be honest. After I will tear everybody honest. up, though, because I'm from New York. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Good cop, bad cop. Exactly. So, um, yeah, just to remind people uh, as we head in um, where to find us, uh, photoeducate.com. I'm doing a lot of online sessions. I know Cliff will speak to his uh, moving forward. Uh, my Patreon page or Patreon page, however you want to uh, figure it out. I'm in the process of stevesimonphoto.com, figuring that out and, and kind of enhancing and and organizing my website, that's one thing I'm doing in between remote teaching, my five-year-old here, uh, getting that done. And then the blog. I've uh, redesigned the blog with a lot of good information uh, on it, um, you know, beyond the book that I did, The Passionate Photographer. So people can check that out. And it's kind of the hub where if you go to thepassionatephotographer.com, you'll be able to sort of get to everything uh, that I do. So Cliff, maybe just tell us a little bit about uh, where people can find you. Sure, yeah, you just Google my name, Clifford Clifford Pickett, or that's my email address, Clifford Clifford Pickett, but it's just cliffordpickett.com. You'll find a lot of the, the workshops that we are planning or in the process of planning, the Lightroom boot camps that I have coming up. And uh, every Monday, I have a Lightroom Live event as well at BNH. Just go to the BNH event space. And uh, that's, uh, I think we're keeping it pretty consistent at 5.30 p.m. EST, for those of you on the West Coast. Uh, that'll be 2.30 and yeah, they're, they're, we just talk everything Lightroom. It's a live Q&A kind of a thing. And uh, hopefully, I think that we'll be doing a bunch more of these critiques. Uh, we're going to try and keep that consistent on Mondays as well. So definitely tune into both of those. And yeah, reach out to us, guys. Let us know what, what you think about the podcast. Let us know if there's topics. You know, we'd love to hear about any topics that, that are relevant to you, that you want to hear us cover, questions you may have. Uh, we want to keep this a little bit more engaging. We want to keep this the audience participation. So. We'd love to hear. We'd love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. And uh, thank you, Cliff. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And uh, we'll see you next time on the next edition of the Passionate Photographer podcast. And until then, uh, stay safe and great shooting, everybody. Take care.